Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 338. We're talking about understanding smaller markets, smaller restaurant markets with Tom Denon of Bayberry Beer Hall. Tell your best story. You know it's all about the stories that we tell. And this is episode number 10 in this series. Smaller markets. I think this is fascinating and it is mission critical for so much of the industry. So much of the pinnacle, the aspiration of myself and so many others were to get into the larger markets, to think about the New Yorks, the Chicago's, the LA's, emerging markets, even like Denver, Portland, Seattle. And what we're realizing now is it's really hard to do business in those markets. It's really challenging. The economics puts you upside down quite often as a matter of fact. And now there's this look to say, what are smaller markets all about? And there are similarities in the way that you're going to operate a, a business, especially if you have history in this business. And there's also a lot of nuance and differences, the way that you invest in community, the way that you storytell, these things are important. And for Tom, you know, going from, we're going to talk a little bit about this, going from a corporate background, getting into this industry, and then cultivating a community in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, is what we want to get into. So no further ado, Tom, I want to bring you in here. Tom, good to see you. Jensen, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate also that we got our, our social handles here. So you're savvy on the storytelling side, on the social media side. We'll get into that. Uh, we're going to talk about the smaller markets. We're going to talk about your community and the way that you've cultivated that community. But I want to get a little origin story going first. Tell us a little of the backstory. Uh, I alluded to the, the corporate background, making the transition. I think that's fascinating for, for many of us that have been in the industry since we were teenagers, what that looks like, why the hell would you want to get into this industry? And, and maybe you have some insights because sometimes we can't see the forest through the trees and somebody with fresh eyes comes in and can disrupt a lot of the status quo that we go through. So give us a little of that backstory and let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I grew up in a small town in Maine. So really all I knew was um, this small way of living. You know, my dad was a lobsterman in the summer and a bartender in the winter. Um, really that's, no. That's the classic small town Maine trajectory, yes. right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of growing up, my dad, pushed me towards uh, going to business school and coming from a small town. I was like, all right, this is different. But, you know, I had big dreams of like Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing, you know, and uh, and um, ended up just really not enjoying it whatsoever. Being behind a computer in a cubicle all day long, I was just finding myself really looking for more and and really trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do to you know, make my way and, and, uh, you know, earn a living. And so I was really inspired, uh, about 10 years ago when I was on a work trip in Munich, Germany and had some time on a layover, went to a traditional German beer garden and 
was just like completely inspired, you know, sitting on a park bench um, in the English uh, tea gardens there. And uh, just like, why do we have nothing like this at home? (laughs) There's, this is like what community is, you know, there's so many people, there's a band playing and there's guys playing football and enjoying really great beer and just like humble food in a park setting. So I kind of resonated on that a bit and pitched it to my wife and she thought I was insane, uh, leaving a comfortable corporate job. Uh, I used to do digital marketing and, uh, you know, finally just kept like poking at her with this idea. Ended up one day putting a business plan together and pitching the business plan just to my wife. Um, Smart. And yes. Yeah. And, uh, you so know, that, it, that business degree did you okay? You understood how, how to approach that part absolutely. of the storytelling. There's a couple of things I want to unpack before we go any further. Yeah. One, having grown up in Germany myself and, and been to München and done that whole scene, like if you haven't been there, it's hard to explain the sense of revelry that is there in that community, especially when Germans are so reserved, right? So stoic so often, you get them in a beer hall though, you go to Hof Brauhaus, right? With the muscle shells adorning the, the ceilings and the walls. And, and then you have the, the ladies carrying eight steins with forearms that put you to shame. And you're just like, wow, this is like a different environment, long communal tables, just, amazingly salty and sour food that goes so well with the beer. So I wanted to like paint the picture for people. I understand I've been exactly there. And, uh, and so I appreciate that. I want to also go back for a moment because I'm, I'm interested one, where was the school and where was the corporate job? Where were you in the cubicle? Uh, so my wife and I met in college in Philadelphia at St. Joseph's university and then uh, worked for Siemens Healthcare, which, as you know, is is uh, based out of uh, Germany, uh, Nuremberg, and uh, and then we moved up to Rhode Island uh, in 2013 to kind of get between the families, um, get a little bit closer to my my folks. And uh, when I left corporate America, it was April 17th, um, 2017. You remember the exact day. It was that was yep. a monumental moment in your life. Yes. I appreciate that. Now, yeah. going even back to the the small town, that relationship, like I, I'm working the the boats, I'm working the traps, I'm bartending. You're not mm-hmm. going to be that. You're going to go get your education. You're going to mm-hmm. go quote unquote make something of yourself. Yep. Did you feel the immense pressure of that? Were you the kind of kid that like? get me the hell out of small town. I'm meant for bigger and brighter things. What was that dynamic like? Yeah, I think any, I think a lot of kids that grow up in a small town, they're like, I want to get out of here, you know, never coming back. There's nothing for me here. They've seen it all. They've done it all. And so I was very much that kid. And I really wanted to prove myself and kind of uh, make it in, in a bigger city and, and prove to my folks that I could, I could do that. And I mean, it's funny now, I can't wait to go back to Maine every time we go see my folks, but uh, you know, it was, it was, um, it was an incredible learning opportunity. I went from a town of like 5,000 to a college that had 5,000 students in enrollment, you know? So it was, it was a big culture shock. Um, And 
I, I learned a lot from going to business school that I'm able to, to bring into the restaurant industry, which is incredibly helpful. Yeah, this is good. I, I wanted to understand the dynamic of the relationship there and with yourself, with your father, with your family, with the small town. And I know we're going to come back to that because I think it's important yeah. to to reflect on that. How how for us in the restaurant industry, if you can't make it here, a la New York, you can't make it anywhere type scenario. I think it's inverted. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. But like that for us is like, I can't go to the smaller market because then it means that I can't hack it, right? And right. now what I think it means is that you have a different story to tell. You have a different path than being in the, the, the big Michelin star restaurant. You know, you want to cultivate community in a different way. And I think we need to start to put that on a pedestal that, mm -hmm. that has been giving up, throwing in the towel, couldn't make it in the bigger scene. So you had to come back and, you know, fry fish for a living in you know the sleepy seaside village and that's not the case anymore some really dynamic really interesting things are happening all across the country communities are investing into different packages tax breaks things like that to bring dynamic entrepreneurs and, and businesses into smaller communities so i can really appreciate that at the high level break that down for us why did you decide providence what was the catalyst for kind of getting into that scene what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Give us a little bit of those early days of getting in there and starting and launching Bayberry Beer Hall. Yes, yes. So, I mean, when I originally put that business plan in front of my wife, we were still living outside Philly. And Philly, enormous market and saturated with some really amazing restaurants. Rent's high, operating expenses are high. And that's when she really was like, no, you're crazy. So it took- Did you think this was gonna be in Philly first, this beer hall? I wanted it to be oh, because okay. because I saw the 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 mass market there. I said even if you know even if you know we only can put out you know a subpar product, we still have a ton of people there and that can support it. And so it was me just being really unaware of how restaurants really operated. You know, I had never worked in restaurants at that point besides being a dishwasher. You know, for a summer when I was thirteen years old, kind of thing. So. Yeah. I was really, really naive, and it was my wife that really kind of put it on hold. And then, you know, I kind of tabled it. And once we moved to Rhode Island, I was like, okay, I'm going to really try and reinvest back in the corporate world. And I worked for the place I was at for four years until I was, I'm done, you know. And we understood Providence so much better at that point. We understood the community and the opportunities that were at hand. And till this day, everything we try to put forward is not only a place that we would want to be at and dine at and bring our kids to, but what, what do we think the city could really benefit from? And yes. how are we going to see, you know, an impact on the community and, and really bring something that people can like latch onto and feel like it's their restaurant, you know? And, and that's been the greatest things that we've seen you know, having just celebrated our four-year anniversary at the Beer Hall, the amount of regulars and familiar faces that came out to show their support were like, it, it was just amazing um, that we have such uh, an impact on people's lives that they, uh, you know, they want to come out and celebrate and they want to, you know, wish you good luck on another four years to come. So it's really special. Yeah, they want to be a part of that. As you mentioned, this yeah. is it's their restaurant. 
Yes. They, they are a part of it. They are ingrained in its history and its culture. And mm -hmm. so that is, that's the little micro paradigm shift that I think is, is invaluable to understand for anybody who's looking to get out, out of the rat race of barely being able to scrape by with 5% margins mm -hmm. because you're putting yourself in this financial pitfall that can so often be major markets if you can't play the high ticket value or the volume game you're somewhere in the middle and you kind of turn yourself to death often so right. i can appreciate that you were there for four years so i'm very interested in that you were yeah. you were able to immerse yourself in this community how valuable was that for you and the reason that i ask is there's plenty of people that are looking to move to a smaller market and open their restaurant but they not they may not be working another job for four years to understand that they're coming in blind a little bit and opening a concept. I think there can be a little vulnerability of maybe being heavy handed of expecting it to be what you've known in the past. So I'm interested the four years, what did you learn? Maybe some, some advice for anybody looking to go to a smaller market to not come in guns blazing, look at me from the big city, so to speak. And, and I'm going to show all these yokels what food's really like, and you're going to, you're going to run into a brick wall. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just following your passion and what it is you want to do. If you're just trying to come into a new unfamiliar market and really trying to, you know, shove a square peg into a round hole, it's not going to work, you know, but if you can really buy into what you're doing and it has what you believe a purpose in that market, and then you can tie in some, you know, building of the brand recognition and the story to what you're doing. I think those are really the key elements and, and what I attribute our success to. So, you know, craft beer was uh, and still is very much like a big hypey industry right now. And, you know, we took what we, what I saw in Germany and we said, well, let's, let's take this concept and let's modernize it in an American way. And let's focus on, Let's focus on all the great small craft breweries, you know, the, the brewer, the owner that are, you know, hammering it out on a weekly basis and really trying to, you know, make their way in the industry. Let's focus on those little guys and let's bring them into this market and let's pair that with some really great um, kind of new American elevated bar food. And, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of like take this, this approach and, and modernize it a bit and, at the time, there was nothing like that in this city. Um, and the other kind of key element that we took from what I saw was the communal aspect. And all of our tables, with the exception of a couple, are meant to see eight communal uh, communal dining. You know, mm -hmm. pre-COVID, pre-COVID, you would have any any given night, you'd have two or three parties kind of shoulder to shoulder on these tables, swapping stories and and really kind of like, uh, you know, getting out of their comfort element a little bit. Uh, you know, we were told that, you know, Providence is, is not gonna, you know, they're not gonna buy into this. Providence likes its two tops and its four tops and mm -hmm. everyone wants to kind of, you know, be separated and we kind of stuck to our guns and, and really focused on this, this dining element that was very unique and unfamiliar and uh yeah it, it it worked out and i think that's that's really how we were able to like 
connect ourselves is, is by in this community is really kind of like forcing it upon folks to sit next to certain <laughs> individuals that, you know, they've never met before. And right. we've heard some really amazing stories by that happening of like, you know, just getting to talking and, you know, their, their daughter went to school with their cousin or whatever. Yes. And it's, it's really interesting. Those kind of stories then lead to somebody ends up being the groom in somebody's wedding and from meeting there. You never know the serendipity yeah. of where people's journeys and past will go, but you are a conduit for that. What I think is important to recognize from kind of the three layers you just mentioned is you're starting with that communal experience that <laughs> that is fundamental. And then you're layering on the craft beer and, and celebrating community in that way. And then you make sure that the food is also good and fits that environment. And so often we're inverting that. We're like, what's yes. the food? Then what's yes. the drinks? And then, yeah, what, what's the experience? And I think the fact that you're thinking about it in reverse from, from what's typical often, I think makes a ton of sense. And I especially think that the timing with what's happening out there, obviously you have, you know, I'm going to butcher it, Narragansett? Yes. Oh, did I say it right? All right. You did. We lord their uh, head brewer who's been on the show, a friend, will be so proud of me. Uh, Lee had to coach me up quite a bit, so I didn't get it wrong mm -hmm. on our episode. And then uh, Moniker is another yep. one that mm -hmm. I know of. You were able to kind of find, obviously, long, long brands like Narragansett, but then some really new and emerging brands. What's the relationship like with them? I'm interested because I'm sure that they've helped cultivate community within that because they are also immersed in that community. What's the relationships been like with the craft brewers? Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. So I till this day am the uh, beer buyer for now both restaurants. Um, and so you, can't tell you like the you like keeping the relationship with the brewers. I, I'm a yes. certified Cicerone, so I'm with you 100. percent I've done like awesome. 50 collaboration beers. I I'm all in with you 100%. That's my <laughs> for this show. Appreciate that for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I love, uh, you know, garnering those relationships with the brewers and the owners. And, you know, the power of social media is, you know, just like paying attention to what's, what's going on in the industry and then finding breweries that are in your local market or surrounding market and going out to visit those guys and, and, building those relationships that they say, well, you know, right now our beer isn't in Rhode Island. And then we, we get them to buy into what it is we're doing. And then they start sending us their beer, train up our staff, educate our staff on that beer, yes. and then, and then pass that information and that education along to our customers. And it's really amazing. You know, we've built these great relationships with these breweries and now the brewers are coming to us saying, you know, we had a bunch of people in this past weekend that found out about this because they drank our beer at your bar. And it's it's great that, you know, that we've been able to do that and, and really finding some wonderful relationships with a lot of these uh, these brewers and the owners of the breweries. Um, it's fun. It's fun for me. I love traveling around and going to visit these guys and seeing what they're doing and, and making those connections. Yeah, and you now are the conduit for those relationships. And I love how how much you have leaned into that as a brand and also personally for you mm -hmm. kind of staying connected with that because I think you recognize being a conduit for relationships. This is a core tenet of ours. We are actually in the relationship business, which is not the people business. We talk about that. Relationship business is very unique. 
and no relationship was ever built by a product or service. It's the layers below that and above Correct. that and next to that that encompass it. And the fact that those brewers now are bringing their products to market there is also a smart, practical business approach. You become the place where people expect to find the new thing. As people are looking to bring their brand to Rhode Island, maybe all all roads pass through Bayberry Beer Hall, right? And so you become the depot for that cultivating of business as well through the fact that you've done it fundamentally through relationships. So it's also a very smart business. I can appreciate that. And, and I know that that's not lost on you. You know yes. that that is a good, smart business decision as well, which I appreciate. Uh, shout out a couple of your favorite breweries. Now now I want to know who I need to, to reach out to, maybe get them on the show and say, Tom said you needed to be on and we needed to talk about uh, talk about beer. Who are some of the others that you like? I think probably one of my favorites um, is Fox Farm uh, Brewery out of Salem, Connecticut. Uh, small little sleepy town owned by two brothers. Um, it's they built this hundred year old or they, they built on top of a hundred year old dairy barn, uh, took the barn, Perfect. converted it. And, you know, they really focus on the farmhouse brewing aspect of it. Um, but they also stay current with, you know, their IPAs and the double IPAs, but really, really clean and like salt of the earth guys that just mm. are so humble. Every time we take in their kegs, they're like, you know, they, they just, they understand and they really appreciate that we're taking in their beer. I'm like, no, thank you for sending us your beer because we sell a ton of it. And the customers, uh, you know, our guests are really, really jiving with their brand. So Fox Arms definitely, uh, definitely up there for me. Yeah, we're we're going to make sure and, and link them up and tag them in this episode because I think it's yeah. important to pass on the love of, of those relationships. Yeah. When we're talking about smaller markets, craft brewing is a great model for restaurants to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. There's world-class celebrated breweries in the smallest, Decorah, Iowa, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. uh, Dripping Springs, Texas, in Salem, Connecticut, that are doing really, really dynamic things. And so I think paying attention to that, you're able to create a, a brand that has significant both social and brand equity mm -hmm. in smaller markets. And so I think that's something that uh, restaurants really need to pay attention to. Obviously, you've been able to kind of siphon some of the thinking and superpower that they've been able mm -hmm. to deploy and then tell that story. That was a great story. The farmhouse focusing on that, like, Two brothers, come on, Tom. That's perfect. <laughs> perfect storytelling for them. They need to put you on the payroll. I love, love doing that. Uh, awesome. Let's let's finish with this. Uh, and thank you. This is a really great conversation. I want to go yeah. back to Dad at the very beginning <laughs> of like thinking about that. Now you are the one that is salt of the earth. That is in this in this very heartfelt industry, in this very challenging industry, in this very labor intensive industry and making your way and you mentioned you have kids reflect on that for a moment I'm, I'm fascinated with the full circle and you having kind of a new perspective and bringing that to the light and, and what the relationship then with yourself your family is mm -hmm. because now you're back where you started in a very different way obviously but it is very much this this coming home type of story yeah absolutely I, I mean the one thing my dad really instilled in me is hard work across the board, whether it's how you are collecting your paycheck or, you know, hard work around the house. And, 
um, till this day, I mean, he was actually just here this weekend and he, he doesn't really Maybe stop. Your anniversary? Of yeah. course. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't stop. And, and that's something that I'm now trying to pass on to, to my kids. And, you know, they're starting to, especially my son, he's starting to get to the age of like, where's dad? I'm like, well, dad's at Bayberry, dad's working, you know, dad's uh, doing what he can to, to pay for, you know, for school and for, for groceries, you know, you, and I think that's the biggest thing that we can do as, as dads is pass on the, the, the meaning of a, a good day's work and, and working for something. You know, I always say to my wife, I work as hard as I can so that I'm not still doing this when I'm 65 years old and that I can really begin to uh, relax and, and and have the quality of life that I want eventually. Uh, because, you know, you got you to gotta bust your butt in the beginning and, and really set up all the systems and, and uh, you know, do, do what you can to um, uh, kind of help pave the way for your kids so they understand when they go into the workforce and they go to school, like, you got to work hard for what you want in this life, especially now, you know, everything's so competitive. So, you know, you're going to stand out if you work hard. It sounds like uh, now it's a a generational concept for you, which I think makes a ton of sense. And you even said the number 65 years old, we would need to have a follow-up conversation on how you actually map to that. We talk a lot about one of my visions is for 65 year old line cooks to be ready to retire in this industry because we invested in them and they were able to, you know, work 40 years at the mill and get the gold watch and the pension, put 2.5 kids through college. And unfortunately, that's not the reality in our industry. And we, we have some work to do to figure that out. And so yeah. I already like that you're thinking about your thoughtful exit strategy. It's something that we need to do more of. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think we, we need to talk about that at some point. And uh, if you have the secret sauce for that, that is uh, transformational, <laughs> to say the, to say the least. So, Tom, Tom Denon of Bayberry Beer Hall, really appreciate it. I got some great insights into understanding smaller markets. So you did an amazing job of conveying what it truly takes to do what you do and to immerse yourself in Providence and uh, and the sleepy towns of Salem and small town Maine, all of that. You're, you're doing them justice. So thank you for that, Tom. Yeah, Jensen, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate All right, it. take care. Have a great rest of your day. Right. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, everybody. That is it for this episode. Once again, Besser Podcast 338, Understanding Smaller Markets. It sounds a little, little cold, right? It's like a calculated response to understanding how to maximize a restaurant's opportunity, smaller market. Really, it's about understanding the people. You know, that's all I'm ever trying to do is understand that human experience. And Tom, amazing insights into that. And uh, I'm excited now that... Uh, you know, craft beer is such a big part of what they're doing. And there's amazing people that are dedicating themselves to those small town markets when it comes to restaurants, when it comes to craft brewing and Tom bringing that together and being in the relationship business, you know, you know that that's what we are all about at Best Serve. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Once again, tell your best story. It's the story that sells. It's the story that makes it worthwhile. All that hard work that Tom was talking about. And I appreciate you all as always. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.